Well, good morning, Creek Church. Uh, for those of you that know, don't know me, uh, maybe you're watching online or watching one of our campuses over in Somerset, Williamsburg, or Bell County, or you're right here in London. Uh, my name is Nate. I'm one of the pastors here at the Creek Church, and I won't bother and waste your time to tell you what I do because it's too long to long to talk about. But today we're wrapping up our series, Jesus for Grownups. But before we get to our content for today, I want to remind you, next Sunday, next Sunday is Memorial Day weekend. You've got plans for Monday. You're probably going to barbecue, maybe play a little golf, maybe go out on the lake. I don't know what you got planned for that. But Sunday, we've got one service. One service. How many? One. At 10.30 a.m. at all of our campuses. One service, 10.30 Hope to see you there because we kick off a brand new series on the life of David. Um, so you will not want to miss that. Pastor Trevor will be back. Uh, Chasing After God's Heart, that's what it's called. Uh, and we're going to kick that off next week and we're going to cover that all summer long on the life of David. So we hope you'll join us uh, for that. Now, for today, um, we close out this series. And um, for me, I, I kind of grew up in church. I had a grandfather that uh, led music all throughout my childhood led it at the small church we grew up in. And then we moved to town to a larger church and he moved there. So, uh, but I've always been drawn to this idea. Uh, and I'm, I'm not sure where it comes from. Well, I know where it comes from, but I'm not sure I got there because I grew up in a really small church and maybe you experienced this. Uh, I grew up in a church where like everybody was going to hell, right? That's all they talked about. They scared the hell out of you. Um, and, and occasionally every once in a while, Jesus got sprinkled in. So by the grace of God, somehow I came to this place uh, to understand what I'm about to share with you. And I'm, I'm really grateful. And I didn't really have all the words uh, to wrap it up and to sum it up uh, succinctly, but I, I feel like I've got them today and I've always gravitated to this point. Following Jesus makes life better. Um, like if I choose to follow Jesus with all of my life, that it will make my life better. And honestly, it makes me better at life. Now I don't always get this right. Okay. Just to be fair, but if I'm truly willing to obey to the fullest, if I'm willing to fully trust Jesus with my life, that he makes my life better. Um, and Jesus, he, he said it a little differently. This is how he put it. I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. As in life can be the fullest life you can live if you follow Jesus. And these words from Jesus, they're important for all of us, uh, whether we follow him or not. I, I can't overstate it. I don't want us to underestimate it because it is the very foundation and starting place for the good news. And for all of us that follow Jesus, Following him leads us to a richer life. It, it leads us to a more satisfying life. It helps us to minimize our regrets in life. And it makes life greater than we could ever imagine. You or I could ever imagine. It leads us to a better life in this life. And not only that, it leads us to eternal life in the life that comes after this life. But here's the fine print, right? The thing they don't tell you in Sunday school. Better doesn't always mean comfortable and convenient. In 2016, uh, me and my family, my wife Elizabeth, and we've got three kids, 10, 9, and 7. I think that's right. They change every year, and it's hard to keep up with. But in 2016, uh, we, we got to experience this firsthand. Uh, we were living in Tuscaloosa, Alabama, and I was serving at a church. And my wife was working as a nurse, and, and you know, I'd, I'd found myself in this season of discontent. I wasn't happy with where I was in my faith and I wasn't happy with the direction we were going as an organization, as a church. And, and I'd spent all year praying uh, leading up to this point of, of what God wanted me to do. And we came to this conclusion, we can't stay here. Now, those aren't the words I would have put on 
where we came to at that moment, but they are the perfect words now that we know the rest of the story. Um, better was possible, but it was gonna require some faith. And we knew where we were, we couldn't stay there if we wanted to experience better. There was something God was asking us to do. So we made the mistake of asking God what he wanted us to do next. Because that's a dangerous thing to ask of God and mean it. Like God, literally, what do you want me to do next? And there was one word that came to mind. It's not the best word, but it was because I don't like the word. I don't like to hear people when they do it, but it's this, it's quit. It was quit. Now, we took that to mean that I should leave the job that I have. Now, note that I had no backup plan. There wasn't a job waiting. There wasn't, you know, a church that had already called me and said, hey, we got a job for you. Why don't you come over here? Okay. But we knew that if we were going to truly have big faith and trust God, that we were going to resign and we needed to resign. So in a conversation that happened in September of 2016, in a car ride to visit family, me and my wife, we decided this. We were going to resign from my job when we got back the next week and we were going to start packing. Now, I don't know about you, but that's crazy. And I felt crazy. Because I was raised in the house, you shouldn't leave the job you got until you got another one lined up and you're ready to go, right? Because that's logical. That makes sense. This did not make sense. But we knew that was what, was God, that, that was what God was calling us to do. And maybe, maybe this isn't something a pastor should tell you or say to you or, or speak out loud, but I think it's true and I think you need to hear it because I don't want you to be misinformed. If you're looking for comfort and convenience, Jesus may not be what you're looking for. Now, over the next two months, our life would just be crazy, okay? Ups, downs, goods, bads. Um, but we would do what God had called us to do. And in September, I would resign from my job. And we would begin to pack. And then some interviews started. I'd, I'd turn my name in for one job, one job in the state of Kentucky. You, it's a church that's local. Actually, you probably heard of it. It's called The Creek. Um, that was the only job I had my name in for. And shortly after we had did that, we had resigned, I, I got some interviews. So I got one interview, one interview turned to two, three, four. I can't remember how many there were, but, but eventually we got to come visit. And, and, and what we realized was this is the place for us. This is where God's taken us. And lucky for us, they offered me a job, fooled them, right? And then, uh, then we had to figure out, right, what do we do with our house? We've got a house, so we've got to find somebody to buy it. Oh, and then we came up with this bright idea. Let's just rent it. Let's move 400 miles away and rent it, right? That makes good sense. So that's what we ended up doing. That, that, you know, that worked out for us. And then in November of 2016, one week before Thanksgiving, we would load up a van and we would load up a truck and we would move to Kentucky to start a new life here. And I tell you that because we've got firsthand experience what it feels like to be uncomfortable and inconvenienced because that's, that's, that's what happened. I mean, there were a lot of things that had to happen in a small window of time for all of it to work out. And it worked out and there were moments of doubt and struggle, but you know, that's kind of what faith, faith brings you to. And, and you may question this, you may judge me before, uh, about it, but you know, Jesus, he had no issue saying the tough things to the people in front of him. In fact, he, he, he points to this in some of his words. He says it this way. Whoever wants to be my disciple, you must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Now, we take these words seriously because Jesus died, but he didn't stay dead, 
right? If he just died and stayed dead, I mean, we wouldn't have the New Testament. We wouldn't care what the Old Testament said. But because of the resurrection, we take his word seriously. And what he says matters. Because when a guy dies, you just, you just do whatever. And he comes back to life. You just do what he says, right? That, that makes good sense. And Jesus is calling us to deny ourselves. Whatever the desires that we have, whatever the feelings we feel like we should follow, sometimes they're not the best thing for us to follow. That Jesus may want us to deny those things and follow what he's calling us to feel and desire. Because what he understands is you kind of are your biggest enemy. And I know that because I'm my biggest enemy. There is a common denominator in all the problems I've faced in this life, and it's been me. And I would say, if you take some time and think about it, you've got some problems and there's a common denominator in all of those problems. You, right? We have the ability to undermine our own future more than anyone else. And Jesus knew that. So he was selling us, hey, you, you've got to deny some of those desires that you have, some of those feelings that you may feel because you're going to get yourself in trouble if you follow them. And then he says, you got to take up your cross. Now, the Jews in first century Rome, um, in, in Jerusalem, they were under Roman authority and they saw this all the time and they understood this. A cross is a one-way street. There's no halfway getting crucified. It's all of you. You're fully committed, all right? And there's no win in that war, okay? Everybody that was put on a cross died, but only one rose. So the chances don't look good for the rest of us. And then he calls us to follow him, as in we need to take our cues from Jesus. We need to live our life in the way that Jesus lived his life, which when I think about it, he died. He gave his life for the mission. And we understand that following Jesus, it's going to be uncomfortable when we understand what he's calling us to do. There's going to be moments where it's inconvenient. But he wants us to do it. And personally, I want to do it. Because better is something we can have when we follow Jesus. It's going to be hard, but, but we've got to figure out a way to do it anyway. Because following Jesus won't always be easy, but it will always be best. Even when it's difficult, even when the season is hard, when, when it's counterintuitive to do the thing that you're called to do, when it's illogical to pack up your stuff and quit your job without a job, that's the thing that God wants us to do. It may be a season that we're uncomfortable and we're inconvenienced. And on a day-to-day -day basis that I forget this, I lose sight of this because I get distracted of what's going on around me. And this wasn't easy for Jesus' first disciples either. So if it's hard for them, I mean, they practically followed the guy. They lived with the guy. They knew the guy. They saw him, flesh. If it was hard for them to follow Jesus at time, it was easy for them to forget that it was best for them to follow them. How much harder would it be for us who don't have him right here in front of us? And in order to teach these things to his disciples, his first followers, the 12, Jesus would often put them in situations and circumstances that were uncomfortable and inconvenient. And it was, there was a point, it was to show them that life was often made richer and fuller, fuller when they followed him and when they were led by him. It was to show them that faith was made stronger and deeper when we followed and obeyed him in the things he called us to especially when they were difficult, especially when they were uncomfortable. 
especially when they're inconvenient. Because the main thing that Jesus wants to develop in you and he wants to develop in me is trust. He wants us to trust him. Now, one such example we read in Matthew, and actually all of our stories today are in Matthew, and they're very similar stories. So I want us to pay attention to that. But there are two specific stories. And the first one, they're coming out of some ministry work. And they'd watched Jesus heal some people. There was a leper that they healed. Um, that they saw healed. He'd had leprosy and God healed him, or Jesus had healed him from that. And then there was a centurion, which is crazy. A Roman officer, he would come to a Jewish man and say, hey, I got this servant over here. He's sick. He needs healed. And, and he's like, hey, come with me and heal him for me, Jesus. And Jesus is like, or Jesus says, I'll, I'll come. I'm sorry, I messed that up. Jesus said, I will come to you. And the centurion's like, no, 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 no. You don't have to come. You can just say it from where you're at and he'll be healed. Mess that up, right? And he did that. He healed him from right where he was. He didn't have to go to the house. He healed, healed the servant. And then, and then next was Peter's mother-in-law that he would go and heal Peter's mother-in-law. And there are some scholars that believe that's why Peter denied him three times, but that's neither here nor there, but he would, he, they would see that they would witness that they experienced it. And because of that, because of those experiences, the crowds would come and they would flock to Jesus. And at times it would be too much and they just need to kind of pull away and get away from it. It says, then Jesus, he got into a boat and his disciples followed him. Because as a follower of Jesus, that's what you do. Here's probably the most profound thing. When you follow Jesus, you follow Jesus, right? That's what you do as a follower of Jesus. Now, Jesus knew where he was taking them. He knew what was about to happen. They didn't, they had no clue. They just thought they were getting in a boat, right? Go across to the next place, start it all over again. But the classroom for Jesus was life, was out in the world. You didn't have to go learn curriculum. He took you and did life with you and taught you through that. So they were about to go out on the Sea of Galilee. And if you don't know much, uh, I got the opportunity uh, to go last summer and it was amazing, but it's about 13 miles long and about eight miles wide. And it's a lake. It's, a la it's not a sea, it's a lake. But there are moments throughout the days where a, a storm can come out of nowhere and the winds get heavy and, and you can have some problems. And that's exactly what happened. They get out into the sea and, and the sh a storm shows up. And these are experienced fishermen, but the text says that they feared, they were terrified in this moment. So it must've been a good one, right? They had this experience out on the water, but yet here they were terrified. And Jesus was with them and they were still scared. But where was Jesus, right? He's taking a nap, right? He was taking a little rest, getting a little shut eye. And they're getting nervous. They're getting scared. They're losing faith that what could, you know, we, we're gonna die here. It's uncomfortable. It's inconvenient because there's never a good time in a boat for a storm. And I have to imagine in my own mind when I read the text that they're sitting there discussing who gets to wake up Jesus. And I feel like at some point, Peter's like, forget all y'all, I'm just, I'm just gonna wake him up, right? Now we don't have that information in the text, but that's what I'm gonna go with. Peter woke him up and he's like, Lord, don't you care about us? We're over here about to die. And Jesus wakes up and he says, hey, you have little faith. Why, why are you so afraid? Like, could it be that we're about to die? Could it be that? I mean, I've never been close to death. I've had a car accident once. I wasn't close to death, but I was kind of afraid. So I can imagine if I'm really close to death, I'd, I'd, I'd be fearful of, feel fearful of that. Because you tend to be afraid when you're about to die, when you're looking death in the face. And Jesus seems to indicate that a lot of our fear 
It comes from little faith. Because faith, faith, it doesn't take us around our problems. Faith takes us through our problems. Because when we go through our problems, we develop more faith. We grow. So faith, it leads us through our difficult seasons. And fear always tries to keep us from the place that faith is trying to take us to. It's the arch nemesis of, of faith is fear. And Jesus, he says, uh, he, he, he wakes up, he gets up at his boat or gets up on the boat and he says, he rebukes the winds and the waves, which I don't know how that works, but he rebuked the winds and the waves. It was completely calm. And then the men, the men in the boat, they were amazed. And they asked, what kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. Now, there was a lesson here to be learned, and, and we're going to talk about another story in just a minute, and it seems that they didn't learn it very well, but they at least learned it in this moment, or at least it was taught. We, we don't have to be afraid even when there's something to be afraid of. That your circumstances in this life, your situation in this life are not a measure of Jesus's love for you. And your circumstances in this life are not a measure of how much Jesus cares for you. In this moment, Jesus cares for these men. He loves them. And he's also in control of their circumstance. And if the one who is in control of all things cares for me, then, then what do I have to be afraid of? If the one who controls all things is for me and not against me, what is it that I have to be afraid of? Now, a little later, we find another story that's very similar. Uh, they'd, they'd come off some ministry. They'd just experienced the feeding of the 5,000. They'd watched, you know, some fish, a few fish and a few loaves turn into food for everybody. And, you know, it says there were 5,000 5, men, but we didn't count women and children. So there was at least 10 to 15,000 people, maybe 20. But they had witnessed this. And then immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. As in, he forced them to get in the boat as, 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 as if they had some kind of traumatic experience before in a boat with Jesus, right? He knew that this might be a problem, so he's like, you gotta get in, you gotta get in. I don't know if he pushed them in, I don't know if he grabbed them, and I don't know, but it says he made them get in. And it says, after he had dismissed the crowd, the people that they were ministering to, he went up on the mountain by himself to pray. And later that night, he was there alone. And the boat full of disciples, it had already uh, been a considerable distance from land. And it was buffeted by the waves because of the wind that was against him. Now, there's a difference in this story. The first story tells us there was a storm. And all three accounts of Jesus walking on water, which is this story, none of them mention a storm. They just mention wind. But it must have been a fierce wind because there were waves and it was dangerous and it, you know, they were rowing in one direction and they were getting nowhere. They, they were wet. They were exhausted. They felt probably at times that what they were trying to accomplish was impossible. I don't know about you, but I've rowed on a rowing machine for about five minutes. They had been doing it for at least six to eight hours. You could have shot me at 30 minutes and I'd been happy, right? For six to eight hours, they were out on this lake rowing in the same direction, making no progress, getting nowhere, thinking, what's the point of this? Should we just turn around? And I have to think that at some point, one of them was, was like, how did we get here? And another one popped up and said, because Jesus made us, right? Jesus put us in this position. 
He pushed us off the shore and he left us to die on our own. He's not even here. Last time he was at least napping. But he's put us in this situation and we're all going to die. That's, that had to be their thought process. And it says, shortly before dawn, Jesus went out on, to them, walking on the lake. Because Jesus don't need no jet ski, right? He just, he just took a stroll out on the lake. I don't know how the physics of that work, but it, that's what it tells us. And it says, when the disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. They said, it's a ghost, which is a common thought for that time and that, that day, because they thought, People that had drowned in the lake, their souls would haunt the lake. That was, that was just the way they thought. They said, it's a ghost. And they cried out and feared. But Jesus, he immediately said to them, you pansies, don't you remember last time? Just, think, just seeing if y'all are still with me. That's not what it says. That's, that's, the, that's the not in there translation, okay? <laughs> Jesus says to them, Take courage. It is I, as in, it is I am. Do not be afraid. And suddenly in that boat, something happens to at least one of them. And Peter stands up and he says, Lord, if it is you, if it is you, the great I am, Tell me to come to you on the lake. And in this moment, I, I love Peter, my goodness. I see so, so, so much of myself in the story of Peter's life. He's big on promises, but short on execution. <laughs> Got a lot of aspirations, lofty aspirations, but, but often not accomplishing them. And here again, Peter, he, he writes, his mouth writes him a check he can't cash. But he's confident that the one who's out on the lake can cash it. He's confident that he can trust and follow Jesus wherever he calls him to. Because whenever we place our faith and our confidence in Jesus, he places courage into us. And the greater our confidence in what Jesus has called us to do, the greater our courage will be to do what Jesus has called us to do. And that's where Peter is at this moment. And Jesus, he says, come, get out of the boat, come on, walk with me. Now, we still got wind, we still got waves. Is Peter afraid? Probably. Does he feel a bit uncomfortable about what's about to happen next? Does he feel like it's kind of inconvenient? Probably. Does he think, what if, what if I fail? What if, what if I just fall in? Probably. Is he excited? Is he looking forward to what could possibly happen? I, I, I believe he is. Because for, for Peter, he understood this. Courage is the willingness to step out when you're not exactly sure how it's going to turn out. And he was willing to at least attempt to get out of the boat. Peter, he, he hears the whisper. He feels the nudge from Jesus to get out. And he has no idea how it's going to turn out, but he's willing to step out. And then Peter, he got down out of the boat and he walked on the water and came toward Jesus. Now, can you imagine that first step for Peter? 
I have to imagine that little flotation device that you roll out on the top of the water and the kids get on it and run across it. I have to imagine it's something like that. Is it like, is it going to be squishy? Is it, am I stepping out on, is it going to be firm? I'm not sure what to expect here because I don't know about you. I've never walked on water, right? And I have to believe that Peter thought the same thing. I've never done this before. I wonder what this is going to be like. But, but he's moving beyond his experience of what he's experienced in this life. He's moving past his fear. He's moving past his uncertainty. And there had to be a moment for Peter where he fully committed what God had asked him to do, what Jesus, his savior, had called him to do. Because following Jesus leads us to places we've never been before. And Peter's focus was on what Jesus had called him to do and he was willing to step out and do just that. But when he saw the wind, when he saw his circumstance, he was afraid and he began to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. And immediately Jesus reached out his hand and he caught him. And he said, you of little faith, why do you doubt? Now, Jesus here, he's not rebuking Peter for attempting to do too much. I mean, he was the one that had called him out of the boat. He was calling him out because he trusted too little. When, when things didn't go the way he thought they would go and he got focused on the things that were going wrong around him, he lost focus of the very one that had called him out to begin with. His faith was affected enough to get him out of the boat, but it wasn't effective enough to sustain him once he got on the water. His focus affected his faith. He got distracted by his circumstance and he started looking in all the wrong directions and focusing on his problem and his circumstance rather than the one that had called him out of the boat to begin with. Because faith is a consistent trust in Jesus to accomplish what he's called you to do. And it says, when they climb back in the boat, the wind died down. Then those, as in the other disciples in the boat who were in the boat, they worshiped him saying, truly, you are the son of God. Now, everyone in this lesson, they learned an important lesson that day. Peter learned that life is much more exciting outside of the boat. Life is much more Exciting when you're willing to step out in faith and do what Jesus has called you to do. Could it be dangerous? Sure. Yeah. Could it be uncomfortable? Definitely. Could it be challenging and exhausting and tiring? And could you bring you to your wits end? You better believe it. Will it be worth it? Also, yes. Because Peter's faith also affected the men in the boat because they got to watch Peter walk on water for just a little bit. And I think the others that witnessed this, they decided if they ever got the chance to step out in faith or the opportunity to walk on water like Peter was offered, they would take it the next time. And we know they did because after the resurrection, they would go on to do great things and we have the gospels and we have the New Testament because of all that they did in faith. But they all learned something that day. And I think it's something we can learn as well. When you step up and you step out, God will show up and show out. 
I don't want to live a life in the boat. I don't want to live a life in the boat where it's safe and familiar. I don't want to play it safe. I don't want to do it the way everyone else does it. I want to be in the midst of the action. I want my life to have purpose. I want my life to matter. I want my life to be significant and I want it to impact others. And here's my guess, you do too. But you can't do it in the boat. And when it gets hard, because it's gonna get hard, when it gets uncomfortable and inconvenient, with all of the problems that come in stepping out in faith, he knows it's a struggle. He knows it's hard to stay focused on him, the one that's called you to it. But here's what we need to know. He's in control and he cares for you. And you don't have to be afraid. And I don't have to be afraid that I can step out in faith and I can walk toward Jesus. And for some of us here, you need to know that it's time to step out. But for some of you, you're choosing not to for whatever reason. You're choosing to stay in the boat. I don't know, because it will be uncomfortable, because it will be difficult. My plea to you is don't stay in the boat. It's so much more worth it outside of the boat. Your next step, your next step may be inconvenient, but it won't be inconsequential. In 2016, we made a decision to trust God and step out of our boat. And I would trade it for nothing. Were there moments where we struggled to have faith? Yeah. Were there moments that I doubted that it was the right move for my family? Yeah. Were there moments where I questioned, God, where are you? Yeah. But there was that still small voice. Hey, I'm right here. I'm right here with you. In your next step, your next step, it may be uncomfortable, but it won't be unprofitable. Our steps of faith, five years of setting up and tearing down. It's not very comfortable, <laughs> not very fun, but, but we were called to it. We had something greater to achieve. And now, 30 minutes from here, they've got their own building. I've stepped out of that role. Pastor Austin's taken over that role and they're doing phenomenal. And that's not because of me. It's because of all the people that had faith to see it through. Bell County, right now, it's tough. You gotta set up, you gotta tear down. Let me tell you, it's worth it. 
It'll be worth it. There'll be days you won't kill each other. <laughs> It'll be worth it. So my question for all of us here today, no matter where you're at, watching in Somerset, Williamsburg, Bell County, right here in London, watching online. What's your uncomfortable and inconvenient next step? What is it that God is calling you to? Maybe you've never asked. Maybe you should ask. Be careful though. <laughs> he might call you to something uncomfortable. For some of us, maybe it's giving your life to Jesus. Maybe today is that day. Maybe you've, you've been on the edge of turning your life over to him. Maybe, maybe today's the day. Maybe for some of us in this room, maybe it's to get baptized. Maybe it's to take that next step of baptism and follow Jesus. For some of us, maybe you've got somebody you need to forgive. That's gonna be uncomfortable. It's gonna be hard. You're not gonna wanna do it. Do it anyway. It's a gift for you to forgive someone. I mean, it's literally in the word, forgive, right? Do it, do it anyways. Do it despite the difficulty that it may cause. For some of you, maybe it's sharing your faith to someone in your family. Maybe it's, some, it's someone sharing your faith to a coworker or a friend. And God's been nudging you in that direction. Do it, take that step, get out of the boat. For some of you, you've got a dream you wanna pursue. For some of us, there's a call on your life to ministry. I've been there, I've done that. Let me tell you, you should step out of the boat. For some, maybe, maybe today, you, you should decide to start giving to the local church. One of the greatest things in your faith to do, to grow your faith, is to give. Now, I know what you may be thinking, you just want my money. You can go give it somewhere else. I don't care, okay? Take the step of faith. Take it. I promise you, you won't regret it. For some, maybe it's changing something in your home or changing some things at home. Maybe, maybe you've not been as present as you need to be. Maybe you've not invested in your kids in the way you should. Take that step of faith. You know what it is. You know and you hear the whisper from God. You feel that nudge from God. Your next step, it may be uncomfortable. It may be painful, but you know what? You should take it anyway. It may turn out in a completely different way than you have pictured in your head, but that's okay. You should take it anyway. For all of us in this room, no matter where you find yourself, you should take your next step. You may fail. It's okay. Get back up. Try again. You do what you need to do today. But here's what you don't need to do. Don't let fear rob you anymore from trusting God. As we leave today, here's, here's my hope for you and here's the prayer I want us to pray. Uh, just a few weeks ago, one of my kids, I won't name names or call out anybody because I didn't ask for permission, but one of my kids made a decision that impacted a relationship and we were talking through what should happen next. And I asked them, what, what do you feel like you should do? And they said, I, I don't know. I don't know what I should do. And I said, well, maybe, maybe you should ask God 
what the right thing to do would be. And I think he might tell you what your next step is. Now, my first thought was that was dumb. What if he comes up with the wrong answer? (laughs) No, the one that holds all the answers, he won't give you a wrong answer. He will lead you exactly where you need to go. So for all of us in this room, for me included, I hope we can pray this prayer this week. Father, give me the wisdom to know the right thing to do and give me the courage to do it, even when it's hard. Father, you've called us to step out of the boat. You've called us in faith to trust you and have confidence that you can take us where only you can take us. So Father, I pray that today, if there's something, if there's a step that needs to be taken for someone, that they would take it. If they need some time to pray about it, Father, I, I, I would pray that they just pray this prayer. Father, help me, help me to know the right thing and give me the courage to do it, even though it's hard. And for all of us in this room, no matter what our next step is, Father, I pray that you would give us the courage Take the next step that you're calling us to. Because here's what I know. It'll be worth it. Father, we pray all these things in your name.